0: It's the reality competition that's dividing the nation. Congress presents The Masked Whistleblower. Get him out of here. Get him out One person is secretly trying to bring down the president, but can he guess who it is? We don't know what's happening. Play along at home as our judges
1: give it their best guess. Chuck and Nancy. The Masked Whistleblower. Go home to mommy. Bye.
0: Now playing on cable news channels everywhere and coming soon to a courtroom near you. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message.
1: I believe that together we can make America great again. Oh, there'll be no whistleblower talk on this here program today. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning, good evening, wherever you happen to be listening. Uh, Welcome to another stellar episode of Everybody Calm Down, hosted by myself, Jimmy Fallon, head writer for the Kennedy program on Fox Business. You can watch us Monday through Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can also hear me every damn day on Fox Across America from noon to three on Fox News Radio. Uh, The reason we're not talking politics on the show today is we've got, pound for pound, one of my favorite comics anywhere in the world, Pat Dixon. He is the host of the New York City Crime Report. Uh, He is a comic that I, I loved when I first met him in New York. I liked Pat before he liked me, meaning I knew his act and I loved his stuff before he quite understood the Jimmy Fallon energy. Because I'm a lot for a lot of people. Like, I'm loud. You know, I wear, like, loud, flashy clothes, mostly because it distracts from my glaring lack of intellect. Like, that's what I'm doing in Fox News. I'm walking around in real fancy stuff because people just assume I must know what I'm doing to be wearing stuff that. Like, well, look at that guy in the leather jacket with the tie thing he's doing. I I would dare question a man of that intellectual might. Uh, Meanwhile, back at the ranch, it's just me masquerading trying to throw them off the scent of my MOOC accent. I sound like I'm in Fox News selling TVs that fell off the back of a truck on the Cross Bronx Expressway. But that's neither here nor there. And those are fine TVs, so don't judge me. But we're going to be talking to Pat Dixon, who it took him a minute, but over the course of the last probably seven or eight years, I've probably interviewed him or been interviewed by him like 20 times. This is our Frost Nixon, if you will. Uh, and I'm so excited because he's never been on Everybody Calm Down. I've had him on Fox News Radio several times. I've done some late night TV with him uh, on Red Eye and, and stuff of that nature. But we've never done an Everybody Calm Down, uh, which, of course, is not only the greatest podcast in the world, but it comes with the greatest sponsors in the world, uh, that being the fine folks at the Michter's Distillery. And I tell you every day on the show, it is an a political program. We don't care if you're Republican. We don't care if you're Democrat. Just don't be an a-hole. That's all it is. I tell people, be a Michter's guy. Treat people nice, be low-maintenance. That's what I want more of. I'm basically doing this show as like an audio safe space for the cool people who really don't care, nor do they have any interest in hating you because of your political views. Nor do they have any interest in being hated because of their political views. They're just people. Just get that these are issues we might agree on one way or the other, disagree on one way or the other. But at the end of the day... What unites us is greater than what divides us. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. So today, me and Pat Dix are going to talk comedy, and we're going to talk about uh, a type of criminal story that's become a lot more pervasive in our news cycle. And I want to ask him, because he is the host of the New York City Crime Report, when did the hot teachers molesting students become like a thing? Because in like the last five or six years, I don't know if it was the internet that brought more of these to the light of day or if something has just changed. I don't know the answer to this, but there are hot teachers molesting boy students like crazy.
0: Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible.
1: And I'd like to know what brought this on. What do we have to attribute it to? Um, Because it's everywhere. There's one right now that we're going to talk about when Pat comes back. There was a woman who was uh, just named... Teacher of the Year in Texas who has since been caught giving oral sex to a student and uh, I don't know if that's why she was voted Teacher of the Year, although I know that would have garnered her a lot of support in the cafeteria Uh, but the woman's name was Randy Chaviera and uh, she was Randy all right, if you will, to borrow from Austin Powers Vernacular Uh, she got five years in prison and one thank you card Oh, there it is. I'm being silly. The jokes will get better from here because Pat Dixon's coming. One of the best comics anywhere. A guy who has been unapologetically funny for as long as I've known him. Pat Dixon in 2019 still does this joke, which could get him Mother Jones right out of the industry if he was a guy who gave a rat's you-know-what. But instead, he is married uh, to a superstar writer by the name of Mandy Statmiller, no stranger to the New York Post herself a stunning author, a fantastic human being, one of my favorite all-around people. And Pat Dixon managed to land this show pony because he's just a funny, cool dude. He's himself. Here's a joke he tells in 2019. He goes, yeah, it's, you know, anybody ever have sex on a plane? He's like, I fingered a girl on a plane late uh, recently. He goes, and I was doing my thing, and then we hit turbulence. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, well, this ought to wake her up. That's just how white folks will do you. I thought it was funny. It's funny. And, you know, in the Mother Jones world of like, how dare you make jokes about doing that to a woman or around that subject matter? The point is Pat Dixon is one of the good guys who does joke about things that are grim and tragic that have a lot of power over people. Because he, like myself, is a human being who recognizes the value of being a comic in that we have the unique ability to take the power away from people's problems for moments at a time by cartooning something that would otherwise make you feel terrible. We laugh in the face of such adversities because that's the uniting healing power of comedy. God damn it! We'll get into it with Pat Dixon when we come back. He joins us on the Mictors Voice line right here on Everybody Calm Down. There it is. There it is. Uh, Another big episode of Everybody Calm Down. Well underway now. We're playing kung fu music because this man is the host of the New York City Crime Report and has seen his fair share of kung fu fights on the subway. He joins us now to break it up. Uh, Comedian Pat Dixon is in the house. Hey, Pat Dixon. What's up, man?
0: (laughs) Good morning. How you doing?
1: I got to tell you, this is kind of a seminal day on the show because I've interviewed you on the radio a hundred times. I've been on your show a hundred times. You've actually never done my podcast, which is weird. It is weird. It's, this is the maiden voyage for us, and, and a long overdue maiden voyage, because we have, oddly enough, there's a lot of overlap in our fan bases. The, uh, I would, yeah. Yeah, the three guys who like us both are in the same cell block, uh. so you think it would <laughs> <laughs> It comes up a lot in the rec yard. They're like, yo, you know who's good. And that's you know, uh. <laughs> obviously my Asian impersonation. But uh, thank you nice. for joining me, Pat Dixon. It means a lot to me that you did. Um, Very can happy. I, can I ask you this before we cut to it? Did you see the Irishman yet?
0: I haven't seen that movie yet. That was, I hear it's great.
1: That's the best twelve hours and seven minutes of my life. It uh-huh. was. Uh, it it actually is good though, man. Like you're actually you are gonna like it a lot. I did. Uh, Dean Imperial was on Monday's episode, and you know he's like a film like Bone Vivant. And uh, he really made a great case for why it's a phenomenal movie and shot down a lot of my arguments. And uh, <sighs> I think he was right.
0: Well, I mean, the arguments would be what, uh, you know, Scorsese, De Niro, uh, Pacino and Jeffrey Paul.
1: Yeah, I like what you did there. No, my, my argument was for real is. I felt like people liked it out of the nostalgia for those types of movies. Obviously, like Goodfellas and Casino and Mean Streets being like seminal films, some of the best ones ever. A lot of that movie to me felt like I was watching that Rocky Balboa film from like five years ago where they Uh, they put a lot of Rocky elements on screen and you couldn't help but root for the film. And you took away liking it more than you should.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah the, the, they, they could do that.
1: Yeah, but the layered storytelling of this movie is actually pretty good. So the next time you do it, I'll have you back on, and we'll have to have a discussion about the Irishman. Can't wait. Okay, but today is not about the Irishman; it's about the groped student, because that's the kind of class program we run on everybody. Calm down. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like,
0: much I, more interesting.
1: I, it really is, though. I posed this question at the beginning of the, of the beginning of the show today. When did it become a thing? Like, were the hot teachers always groping kids, and we just didn't know about it because we weren't cute? Or is this a new thing that is, you know, just given to the social media age where stories become, you know, spread? They have a wider reach. Is this new or is this old or what is it?
0: I would think it's kind of new. I mean, wouldn't it be something if if all this time the people just knew how to keep their mouth shut? Right. <laughs> I mean, not the teacher. She didn't know how to keep her mouth shut. Of course,
1: <laughs>
0: <yet>. <laughs> I mean, you know, this lady was a maniac twice, <laughs> twice in October.
1: And she was it, voted teacher of the year.
0: Yeah. And you know what? And I think that's a testament to her need to excel. You know, people who are driven, they always need to outdo themselves, you know, and she probably teacher of the year. Where do you go from there?
1: <laughs> well, well, <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me for saying this, but she was going to be voted teacher a year a second time, but she blew it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Boom. But no, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and I want to say this, though. She's really good looking. And that's oh, the yeah. Pa- yeah. But that's the part of this that I think we're all overlooking. Is We always joke because we're like, oh, if it happens to a guy, it's not a crime. Who's the victim? This is the best day of his life. I do kind of mean that, even though people say that you and I are wrong for feeling that way. Just speaking from my own personal experience and value system, if a hot teacher blew me in 11th grade, it was the best day of my life. Maybe the best day of hers because I would have been so appreciative
0: oh sure sure you know <laughs> I mean, yeah and, and uh, yeah again you know i mean like that is the peak of your life you'll look back on that forever and ever with uh with a certain fondness you know just yeah, you, uh, third it, go ahead she's just so she is so good looking and, and appropriately named too by the way i just uh you know <laughs> randy you know <laughs>
1: Randy Chaviera. I hope I'm getting it right. I know this is a proud moment for a family. I'd hate to miss. I'm sure she wants that
0: pronounced perfectly (laughs) correctly. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I hate to besmirch her good moment here. Um, But I guess you're right. I bet you it has to do with um, like phones and and not necessarily social media, but the smartphone itself because you can document this stuff. In a way you weren't able to in the past, like you used to have to take a Polaroid or take a photo and go get it developed from a guy who would vow never to show anybody, but would keep three copies for himself. Mm. Um, But I bet you that's what it is. I bet you were hearing more about these stories because the kid has to show somebody a message or the teacher has to send somebody a picture because apparently the kid's parents are the ones who found this, right? Oh, yeah, they.
0: Well, you know, I know that he told them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that this happened. Now, I don't know what the circumstances were that led to him telling it, but I think that, um, you know, it, it could be also likely that. Uh, how do you not tell people, you know, I mean, like uh, it's I, I tell people even when my wife does that to me,
1: you
0: know, <laughs> people I don't even know, strangers <laughs> in the street, I'm telling
1: them, you know, <laughs> you ain't gonna believe this shit, you know, <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. So so I think I think uh, the teacher, I think everyone's a victim here because I think this used to be a victimless crime before the cell phone came along. And uh, now there is everybody's getting found out. They're getting in trouble. And people will tell us that we're wrong. They'll be like, you don't understand the way this scars a kid later in life. I, with a girl, I absolutely say no. Assuming the kid is straight. Assuming the kid is straight. Uh, but I, I don't see it. And I, I, I get mad at kids like this who sell out because you're ruining it for a whole nother generation of kids who might have had yeah. the greatest experience of their life you
0: know. Yeah one, yeah, one man's cycle of abuse is, you know, another.
1: <laughs> I, and and I, 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 uh, I know this is a proud moment for our sponsors. This is a big moment for them. They're so thrilled to have this on their plate. But seriously, like, when I hear, like, oh, the 13-year-old kid was doing a teacher, I'm like, dude, do you know what I was doing at 13? A pillow. You know you know how much better a teacher sounds in the overall scheme of things? It's unbelievable, Pat Dixon. Uh, what the hell yeah, I mean, you, you know, and,
0: and, and really, what are teachers to do but teach, you know? There and, 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 uh, was <laughs> a lot of learning happening and, and geez she was like a, some kind of a family uh you know consumer and family teacher or something like that like she i mean she it was it was in her wheelhouse you know it's not like she jumped over from geometry or something
1: oh it was yeah it was science like anatomy she was doing anatomy and yeah exactly you talk about uh, i guess hands-on learning experience would be the third snare drum of the day if you would um, well sure yeah but,
0: hands hands and mouth on yes
1: <laughs> oh, Pat Dixon, according so
0: according to the article you know i mean what
1: do i know? <laughs> oh it's funny i believe it was like dove davidoff had a joke about that or something he was like at some point we've he's like do we blame the teachers or at some point do we have to start looking into these sexy ass little kids uh-huh. <laughs> which i thought was funny <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a solid joke um how's yeah. com- how's comedy life by the way how what's going on on the mean streets of new york i've been out there a lot lately are people behaving or our audiences worked up like what are you encountering right now have people oh, started to soften and- yeah
0: Oh, when I go up in front of an audience, I, I know now that they can't wait to see somebody step outside the lines a little bit, as far as uh, live stand-up goes. That's been my experience. You know, I mean, like uh, a lot of people get concerned about. Well, they're saying this on Twitter, or they're saying uh, you know that on the news, and and it's really come to a point where you don't have to say hardly anything in order to get that nice gasp and 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 laugh, you know, that you used to. Uh, it, it's. Uh, there was an article last night, you know, in fact, uh, Louis C.K. did some sort of a Holocaust joke in, uh, oh uh, like, in like in Israel, you no. know, and he got an applause break, you know, big wow. night, applause break. Yeah, because people now I, th- I think really they're so tired of, of being instructed on what's OK and what's not not OK mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, they that the, the shock point, the bar is set so low that you can be shocking without being shocking
1: wow that is crazy to think about that it's that louis comeback like his real mass acceptance comeback is going to be facilitated by the people who tried to ruin him and that, like, the cancel culture stuff has gotten so despised amongst the average person. And that's Republican and Democrat. Like, the vast majority of Democrats think this has gotten annoying now. Even if they were a part of it for a long time, which they were, you yeah. know, the vast majority of them are like, these people are just exhausting. And and, and they're going to wind up making it like punk rock to, like, Louis again, which by design, he will have a full-throated mass acceptance comeback. And he almost should, Pat Dixon. I mean, he's the only guy who sexually assaulted himself it's not even like it's not even like there was a person involved like got touched you know um, yeah
0: I mean he is a natural performer too you know so you can understand his need to have an audience it's yeah, hard like, to try out new new material alone you know uh, you, have to, you have to really try it out live
1: Louis C.K. not a Catholic but he does practice Palm Sunday and uh,
0: <laughs> and Saturday
1: and Saturday um, yeah that's funny is like is, are his shows like SeaWorld now is there a splash zone in the front do they get a poncho how does that work <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, he's become the Gallagher, you know, of of, of hotel comedy.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, we've gone from smashing fruit to busting nuts. Oh, Pat Dixon. This is a real highbrow for us. But for us, this is highbrow. I hope the audience knows that. But I wanted to to say this. Um, I found in, like, my recent goings up in New York that what you were just trying, articulating actually rather well, is that the vast majority of people going to comedy clubs now are rooting against... Um, the offensive, pe- the people who get offended. They're now actively rooting against them. Like so I was at Gotham taping their virtual reality show the VR show, which is a great place to do great show to do comedy on. You're doing comedy for the people who own virtual reality headsets. So essentially you're telling jokes for 14 year old boys. Killing time between erections is essentially what you're doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> refractory period teens. Yeah.
1: Yeah, who else is wearing virtual reality goggles <laughs> besides that? But you're killing time for boys between pornos. But anyway, as and, and, I was... and,
0: and it's a very short window. You got too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you got to, you got to move quick with these jokes Pat Dixon. So so I, I not even during my set, but during somebody else's set, I believe it was like Hassan Minaj's set of all people. And uh, he fancies himself a comedian, and and that's fine. And he's doing his own little thing. And yeah. uh, I believe he was telling a joke, and someone said, like, like oh, like, gave, like, a groan. And somebody else in the crowd was like, shut up. We're trying to laugh here. And I was like, oh, good for you. Like, that's amazing that yeah. that that we've empowered the, the security, the comedy security forces, meaning the audience is becoming the comedy police on its own. And instead of policing comics, they are on some small scale starting the police audience members, which is a big deal. Because that's how we're going to take back these streets. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, that's a huge change. I mean, if people should appreciate that, that is that is night and day different. You know, it used to be if there was one person offended in the audience, everybody would get kind of nervous and wait for it to get worked out. And that sounds like <laughs> now they're kind of making out. They're thinking for themselves and making a choice. You know, that's oh, different.
1: it's mind blowing. But it's cool to see because I can tell you this, like the guy who's going to break out right now whoever the hell it's going to be probably us I mean let's be fair um, yeah. but but uh, it really is the person who's not going to apologize and is just going to be funny but I think the bigger appetite out there at this point is just for somebody to be really funny even if they're not like I said even if they're not like defiant you know F you to the, to the outrage mob even if they're safe they're safe comedians but they're really genuinely funny because I think what's happened to comedy is beyond guys being conformist and, and being safe and kind of cookie cutter of each other everybody's like an effeminate guy now like a beta male whose wife can beat him up and I'm not cool and I could never get girls is I think the audience is tired of being told what's funny and they're starting to choose for themselves. And I, th- and I think there's a big opening right now for a, you know, a defiant F.U. comic. But the bigger opening is just for somebody funny. If you happen to be funny, there's never been a better time to be a comic. Because the market is so saturated with unfunny content that's being billed as funny. And uh, I don't mean to name names, but it rhymes with Rochelle Colf. Uh, but uh <laughs> 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 She nuked comedy. She nuked comedy. And a lot of people were like, oh, Michelle Wolf's so funny. I'm like, she's terrible. And she became like the face of comedy for a little while. And then people saw through it when she took a dump on poor Sarah Sanders, who's as cool of a girl as you're ever going to meet. But uh, it really exposed the fraud of like that feminist argument and that, you know, women are supposed to be off limits unless they're conservative, in which case you can call them pigs and hogs and anything you want. Now, I say that in all due respect to you because I know you're a huge Michelle Wolf fan.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say, I th- I say this all with all due respect to you, because I know you're married to a, to a pig in a hog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I would never. <laughs> Mandy Stadmiller, we just matched on Tinder three nights ago. I'm not going to talk to her about that. <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: No, I, I love the woman. So I, got, I had to you know, be there to defend. But no, Michelle Wolf, uh, you know, she's the one who ended comedians at the the pre- the correspondence dinner. You know, I mean, like when they stop having the event because of you, that's when you know you really kind of bombed it. I guess, right?
1: Yeah, it's not cool. You know, like, she thought it was, like, this cool notch, like, ha-ha, and they all loved it. They're like, yeah, I thought it was great the way she went after her, and she was sitting there. I'm like, really? Like, if Sarah got on stage afterwards and was calling Michelle, like, the C-word and saying she couldn't get laid and nobody was – in all of those, like, would anybody be on board with that? Of course not.
0: That's no, why that would be what – what, what a funny thing that would have been. Oh, my uh, God. Well, if it I, just turned into a mass roast.
1: Well, I got news for you. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders talking about running for governor of Arkansas – And she always has taken the high road. But I think part of her shtick on the campaign trail is going to be a little Trumpian in that she'll make fun of herself because it'll allow her to really beat up other people. And I think she's going to be a fantastic, uh, a a fantastic candidate for that reason, because she has chops as someone who handles the White House press every day. You got to have real chops. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh yeah, and she's got that deadpan too, where she can say some really funny stuff, and it's even funnier because of her, you know, her very kind of uh, you know straightforward delivery. Uh, that's sometimes people like that can be sleeper funny, you know, and, yeah. uh, like she and Nikki Haley both, I think, would be
1: Nikki Haley, even great.
0: even excellent candidates for president someday.
1: I, I would love a Nikki. I would give any one of my political wins for the rest of my life to have Nikki Haley be the best female first female president, because, you know, if it's a conservative woman, that's going to expose the real fraud of feminism because there's not going to be a we did it, girls. They're going to be out there campaigning so fiercely against a female conservative should one of them get on the ticket, yeah, which would be the funniest thing in the world because they'd have to take back everything they've ever done, which I think is amazing, Pat Dixon.
0: They're going to be like, what happens when this woman has her period?
1: (laughs) 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 What? Women are going to be saying that. She's going to be leading us to war every 28 days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I say that all the time. I always say that to like uh, to anybody who will listen. I say like um, the reason we're not going to have a female president anytime soon has nothing to do with sexism. It has to do with women. Women hate women. And women yeah. love to cannibalize each other and, and hate each other, and that's really the holdup there. Um, yeah, so- they
0: they have this zero sum game idea that only so many women can get these can be successful. You know, they think that you know that they, and they do try to pull each other back because out of some competition. You know, but yeah. then the feminist ones will hate the agenda so much yep. that they you know they they don't even consider them women. You know, yeah. I, I don't know I don't know what they consider them, but, you know, they're definitely women well, and they definitely do have that
1: point of view. Well, it's funny, but it's it's really telling that if you look at like some of the people we're wasting right now, I'm talking about actual badass women who are badass and they haven't been defined by their gender, meaning like Tulsi Gabbard's an example of that. Nikki Haley's an example of that on the right. Uh, Sarah Sanders example of that on the right. Like down in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Randy Shiva. <laughs> Like society has no use for these great, great women because they're not behaving the way the feminist mob says they should. So the fact that they're badass and they're awesome and they're influential means nothing because this really isn't about um, substance. It's really more about grievance and advancing grievance. Like I'll give you a better one. Uh, You know what, Pat Dixon? Melania Trump is the biggest waste of this entire presidency because it's the best first lady we're ever going to have. It's an actual supermodel. Who speaks yeah. six languages? We have a James Bond girl in the White House, and she can't get a magazine cover to save her life because everybody's so bitter about the election. Isn't that a crime? Isn't that a tragedy?
0: Oh yeah, it's it's it is it is it is totally that. You know, I mean, like we have a, a true representative of the United States in uh, an immigrant who is, like you said, a supermodel. She speaks several languages and. Uh, not only that, she's just a good, kind-hearted woman, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they can't lift her up and they or support her, you know, because she said, uh, I do to Trump, you know, who, yeah. and who by the way, I mean, they, they really, really, man, I, I think he's going to be the first president who afterward, they're still going to be like, no, nah, we're still mad.
1: Uh, (laughs) You know, it's funny about Trump and and guys and, you know, we're dirtbags at heart, Um, you know, maybe not even deep down, but even on a surface level. Um, Someone once told me a story, uh, a Democratic pundit on the air at Fox News Radio about how she heard that Trump used to make Melania weigh in every Thursday. And I was like, I, I completely, who knows if it's true? But I was like, there's a lot of guys that are going to laugh at that because it's so insanely funny that I'll give like, yes. it as true. Maybe it is bad. Maybe it's like not good with values and women shaming and weight shaming, but it's still also hilarious. The idea that they're in a marriage where that's actually a thing. Like, yeah, I mean, just
0: it's, it's just so it's so great. It's so great. It would it, it's, uh, you know, the, the shooting a guy on Fifth Avenue thing, to some degree, there is some truth to that. That, you know, like, uh... <laughs> oh, I, I don't care. It's it's, it's always funny.
1: Yeah. Uh, listen, I always say being in New York, there's a lot of New York Nick fans who would kill to be shot on Fifth Avenue. And I think that's the appeal of what he said is that it spoke to a lot of people here who were like, yeah, please shoot me. I'd love that. Um, but I yeah. think. <laughs> I'd like, be honored. Yeah. Where you been my whole life, man. How many David Fisdale blowout losses do I have to sit through uh, before we address this? But I think that's going to be the tragedy, Pat, when this is over, is I think comedy will be better off when Trump ends because we're we're being forced to be decent sensitized to words because like he's not going anywhere. And as long as he's not going anywhere, people are going to learn to get over things. And it's like the outrage mob when it comes to fighting Trump. It's like you know how when someone is like a little kid is swinging at them so they put their hand on the kid's head so the kid can't reach them but he keeps punching. Oh yeah. Like that's what he has done to the outrage mob. He's holding the kid's head and the kid's swinging at him but the kid can't reach. And um, in a weird way, we'll be better off as comics when it's over. But this was so far the three of the worst years of comedy I've ever consumed. Like, yeah, yeah, the comics have been embarrassing. The fact that comics were really trying to steer votes for most of this presidency was disgusting to me because, like, the joke of comedy is, like, we shouldn't be in charge of anything. You know, I think that's what made us comedians is that we were able to recognize how flawed we are and given to wickedness, as they say in Unforgiven. You know, we've (laughs) we've been (laughs) messed. I thought you were going to quote the Bible for a second. Given to wickedness. And, um, you know, the day the people who started their careers getting paid in drink tickets are in charge of the democracy, like, I don't think it's good for us, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it started with Jon Stewart in The Daily Show, and a bunch of people started to oh, this guy actually, this is where I get my news. Oh, he you know? sucked, and, by the way. And and if the if the if the news hadn't abdicated its responsibility to actually sort of inform people and tell the truth a long time ago, mm-hmm. then you know maybe it wouldn't uh, it would maybe the comedians wouldn't be looked at now as some kind of like a a, a source, you know, yeah, or like uh, it's so, true, and I- people have always put too much stock in their entertainers too. Comedians have a good way of sounding like they know what they're talking about, you know, because they can set up some kind of a sarcastic little example that, uh-huh. that you know, oh, mic drop. He's right. You know, yeah. uh, but the truth of it is, uh, you know, they can they can there could be fake news in comedy as well. You know, and you really have to consider the source. Yep.
1: Well, John Stewart, I, to be honest with you. I hated The Daily Show. I hated his version of it. Obviously, this version's like the number one streaming show at Guantanamo Bay. That's how they're getting conf- <laughs> <laughs> that's how they're getting confessions <laughs> out of people. They're like, we'll make you sit through another Trevor no- monologue or we'll make you watch Colbert. Um, but no, like Jon Stewart, what he used to do, and I saw through it at the time in a way that I was shocked a lot of people didn't, is he loved to isolate clips out of context and react to them. So like yeah. when I first went to Fox News... Um I had a my characterization of what the attitude was like inside Fox News was completely colored by the way he had portrayed it to me and that's on me for thinking that but the first time I was on a show called The Independence and I was in a pickle and I told an easy Obama joke that I thought would bring down the house. And everybody uh-huh. just looked at me like that joke doesn't really make sense in this context. Why did you do that, you idiot? And I was like, oh, I get it. You guys aren't actually doing what I was told you were doing and that you're, you're all independent <laughs> thinkers and each show has a different attitude towards politics. But I didn't right. know that. and like, what Yeah, y- that's
0: actually going on. You, know, you thought it was just all non sequitur uh, nonsense. So yes
1: and that's like that was like 5 years ago cuz John Stewart would do a thing where like we could be talking about a terror attack right And it would be like, you know, at MSNBC, they were like, we've got to find Al Qaeda. And at CNN, they were like, you know, we're sending in SEAL Team 6 to check the caves. And then in the Fox News, they would take a long clip where the guy was like, you know, we've got to police this and make sure we're asking all the tough questions. You know, there's a reason dinosaurs went extinct because something happened to them they weren't prepared for. But Jon Stewart would just cut it down to the reason dinosaurs went extinct. And then he would freeze the camera, look at you and be like, dinosaurs? You're talking about effing dinosaurs, right? (laughs) and the crowd would go crazy and i'd be on my couch like yo this was obviously part of something much bigger but that was like the shtick and a lot of people bought into it including myself like to be honest with you and like you need to be away from something to realize just what it was his daily show was terrible and everybody's always like oh it's so good it was terrible yeah, it got to the
0: point where he would just kind of like make the cute face and mug a little bit, and and that was it. Yeah, you know? it's like that's his political commentary. Is to like you know. Raise an eyebrow and shrug, mm-hmm. and uh, make a couple of weird noises. You're like, that's not political <laughs> commentary. <laughs> it's <laughs> barely a... <laughs> information.
1: Yeah, no, he sucked. I really mean it. If I met him, I would talk to him about. It. I wouldn't be mean to him. I'm not mad at the guy. I, I applaud his success. I mean, God, if I could, you know if I could be there, I'd take all the money and all the fun and all the nonsense, and that's great. Sure.
0: And in his defense, he did always say, "I'm a comedian," you know. Yeah. Don't, don't look to me for anything political. But then he would go and and uh, yeah. you know pay Bill O'Reilly and get creamed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he did. He used to get roughed up by O'Reilly a lot and then like (laughs) the Colbert thing I couldn't stand and like Colbert like is actually like him and Seth Meyers have actually failed the country and what I mean by that Pat is that like uh, you know a lot of Americans you, we used to have late night comedy as like a common culture like we grew up on Letterman at a time when Letterman was cool and great he wasn't you know he didn't have the aesthetic of the suspect in every missing person's case in his local county with the big grizzly beard and everything
0: that, that's, that's awful yeah, yeah I, that, that ruins everything
1: I know it's that and the fact that he has become like an activist where he's you know on Netflix trying to steer votes it drives me crazy because like we used to turn to these people for end of the day escapism where like, yep. we didn't know where the they they leaned. They just make fun of things. We'd all laugh and we move on. But Colbert and Seth Myers are act, they're activists masquerading as comics. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, sure.
0: Absolutely. I mean, every every night it's it's anti uh, Trump stuff and. Uh, they, they didn't used to be that way. You know, they used to be a lot more even-handed. I mean, Carson was a great example of that. I mean, mm-hmm. who really knew what he thought? And he, I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole idea. Yeah, I mean, need, uh-huh. But we're living in a time where people really have to declare, you know, I and know. if they don't declare, even Jimmy Fallon, what did he do? He must up Trump's hair. Oh, well, you humanized him. I, know. I mean, that's hardly he, a, he did, a ringing endorsement. You I know? know, but he
1: did exactly what a late night candidate is supposed to do in that they yeah. show you the candidate in a forum. You you don't ever get to see them in.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you see a different side, and and he did it so simply, and and by you know doing his job perfectly and exactly the way that it should have been done. By not declaring, you know, then yeah. that he he was really they they gave him a hard time about. Oh, that. did
1: they ruined know. him? And now he and then he came had to come to the mob and and beg for forgiveness, and now yeah. he's doing like anti-Trump comedy that doesn't look good on him, and he's losing the Colbert in the ratings. Which I'm being honest with you, like I've laughed harder at an orphanage on fire than I have at Colbert's show, and oh, uh, I
0: haven't quite laughed as hard as I do at that, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh. Mean, colbert is is really yeah, I mean, I sort of liked it when he used to do the conservative character because uh-huh. you know I, I don't know, I found that entertaining. I found it at least it he was dealing with kind of like real issues yeah. you know and he would he, it was it, it was an interesting perspective, and people loved it mm-hmm. because you know there's something at least kinda even handed about it, even though you're making fun of that guy. Mm-hmm. you know, we rooted for Archie Bunker in the same way, you yeah know, because the, I, at least he's saying it.
1: Well, the best thing Colbert did. No, I agree with you there. The best thing he did, um, well, the funniest thing that's happened on his show is if you remember when James Comey got fired by the president um, on a Sunday night, Hillary Clinton had spoken New Jersey and was blaming James Comey for her election loss. She said this guy reopened the investigation on September 28th. Uh, into my server. He wound up being the guy that like cast a shadow over me and compromised the vote for a lot of people and James Comey lost the election. So that Monday, the next Monday, our news blocks on all the networks were like, Hillary can't stand James Comey. Democrats want to kill James Comey. He threw the election. Well, anyway, the next night, Trump fired Comey. And Stephen Colbert began his show by saying, "We have, begin tonight night with a news break. We've just found out that President Trump fired James Comey." And the crowd gave a standing ovation, because they had all been told they hate Comey. And then Colbert was like, "No, no, 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 This is a bad thing. This is a bad thing. We're, we're officially changing our position in real time. This is bad!" How dare he, the guy we spent Monday night assaulting, fire him? Because, you know, when you're just going to oppose a guy for everything he does, no matter what, you expose yeah. yourself to that level of stupidity. But that's what Colbert did. And I honestly, I don't hate him personally because I don't know him. But as an artist, I can't stand Colbert. Like, I hate no, him I mean,
0: right Yeah, look, I mean, when you're when you're really giving, uh, no performer is going to should be saying like, no, no, no applause. So forget <laughs> this fun you're having and stop clapping and approving We you know, political point. <laughs> Are much more necessary and much more important. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, You know, and and really, I mean, about Comey getting fired, and I I understand the larger point. You know, being about him trying to like change uh, the the narrative right there in, in mid set you know, but <laughs> yeah, Comey was required to report all that anyway you know, as soon as they found the server I mean, when people blame Comey, I kind of go, well you know, for what, doing his job finding illegal stuff going on and <laughs> and telling Congress uh-huh. I mean, like, that's his job you know. Oh, so, how
1: dare he So who can we
0: blame but the person who is to blame.
1: That's so funny. Well, as Howard Jones once sang, no one is to blame. Pat Dixon, no one is to, no blame. One is to blame That's, that's, that's kind <laughs> of powerful musical reference. We close on to Today. Listen,
0: <laughs> True words were never spoken. I,
1: I know you've got to get down to the faculty room in a tight pair of pants and hope for the best. So I'll let you run yeah. <laughs> <Time> <laughs> for a little fashion show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the cologne I would have been wearing to school if I knew that was a thing, man, as we bring in full circle. Um, uh. I will uh, check. I'll check in on you uh, or later in the week. Cause I'd love to get back on the radio, man. The people demand it
0: yeah man can't wait thanks Jimmy appreciate Uh,
1: it you're the best give my best to Mandy Stat and uh, we'll catch up soon you're the best Pat Dixon there he goes Pat Dixon everybody so long so much fun Um, the crowd going wild as they are wont to do we take a quick break we'll close with some words of wisdom when we come back on everybody calm down Hey, Greg, you want to help me read a few of these letters to Santa? Where's the big man? Uh, let me guess. Passed out from the eggnog again? <laughs> Let's just say there's a reason he has a reindeer guiding his sleigh. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Here's one from a kid named Justin Biber? Bieber. Says he wants a pound of weed in a new Ferrari. <laughs>
0: Not sure if that's going to fly. Mrs. Claus got re-rended in a Ferrari
1: once. But enough about her dating life. hey <laughs> This one's from a girl named Kim Kardashian. Says she wants a new butt. Oh, and boobs. No, thanks. That sounds like a Me Too complaint waiting to happen. Which reminds me, take down all the
0: mistletoe. This one's from a guy named Donald Trump. What's he want?
1: Nothing. All he said was Santa's overrated and he needs to lose weight. Boy, is that true. Don't we all? This one's from a little girl named Hillary Clinton. Says she wants an impeachment. Hmm. And she wants her husband to be faithful to her. Can Santa make that happen?
0: Close, but no cigar
1: the show picks on hillary clinton way too much by the way she always sneaks in there, always get a dig at her and I, i do feel bad i met hillary clinton uh in chicago over the summer met her in uh senor bill and uh, i have to tell you like they greatly informed the reason i'm doing this show is like they were people i've probably written a million jokes about on kennedy and in meeting them i did realize the shared human experience uh we both have the shared human condition and that is different as their lives and views might be from mine I was also like, oh, yeah, these are people. They have somewhere they want to go. They have something they want to eat. They have people they want to talk to, you know? And uh, it made me realize in that moment that, like, if you're sitting there lucky enough to be talking to uh, a former president and his wife, and you're one of those jackasses who's like, oh, I'm going to throw a soda at him. Like, you're a loser. like You're an actual, like, loser. And, like, yeah, you could be relevant on Twitter for, like, 48 hours as, like, this crazy anarchist. And then on hour 49 through 50, you're just back to being a garbage person who violated someone's personal space. So do better, ladies and gentlemen. Although I should caution you that Jimmy Falla has not led a life that entitles him to be standards and practices for anybody's behavior, let alone my own. Like if I'm your magic eight ball, if, my, if, if it's a what would Jimmy do... You've already failed as a person. There's no helping you. Uh, You can help me, though. You can listen to Fox Across America today from noon to 3 on Fox News Radio. You can watch the Kennedy program tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on the Fox Business Channel. Uh, And you can go download every single episode of the New York City Crime Report featuring my man Pat Dixon, who is as funny as they come. And his show, I'm telling you now, it is brutal. We didn't discuss it enough on this episode but he is cartooning some very, very dark and grim scenarios. But there's a lot of people that find value in that level of escapism. Uh, so I salute the Pat Dixons of the world. I thank him for coming on the program. And I thank you for, for muscling through it. This is 42 minutes of your life. You'll never get back. Some of you might not want it back. Uh, but one way or the other, we appreciate you being a part of it. And I have to shout out a second time this week the Twitter handle Something Wicked. For making us that phenomenal animation. I just got another note about it this morning. So I need to track you down, my man, my gal, send you some mictors, at the very least. But thanks to all of you, the show is over. Get the fuck out. Go home to mommy. Go home, bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy.